The Carter Report presents Plain Talk with John Carter. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Welcome today to The Carter Report. And today, the program is entitled Plain Talk. Don't you want plain talk? People say to me, I'm tired of politics. I'm tired of people just telling me stuff that they don't even believe. I want plain talk. Today, we will be answering all the questions. Your question may be answered today. Hi, I'm John Carter. My wife Beverly and I were watching television the other night, watching the news, American news. They told us that the church in North America is actually shrinking. They said that atheism is the fastest growing religious movement today in North America. And people are saying, what on earth can we do to save the church? Well, of course, Christ died for the church. He saved the church. But what they mean is, how can we keep the church as a vibrant force in the world today, in Australia, in America, and in Europe, and in the rest of the world. Let me tell you a little story. John Wesley was one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever heard. John Wesley came upon the scene of the, of the church in England a few hundred years ago when the church was dying. Like the church today, it was a shrinking church, but the people in the church were in a state of denial. They refused to accept the reality that the church was dying. John Wesley did something that uh, other people said couldn't be done. He revived the church through public evangelism. Did you hear that? He started to preach Christ. He preached the Bible and he preached out of doors and indoors. And the church was saved. Not only did he save a lot of souls, the souls of sinners, he saved the souls of the saints. Please join me, my friend, in evangelism. It's what Jesus did. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900 Thousand Oaks, California. In Australia, write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal in New South Wales. Join me, my friend, in preaching Christ. Join me in public evangelism around the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name. You and your team have worked in El Salvador. How dangerous is it to visit El Salvador? El Salvador, the land of the Savior. Do I like El Salvador? I love El Salvador, but you better be pretty careful before you go to El Salvador. We went there just a few months ago, and there was a lull in the fighting. But the fighting has come back. And they're killing people. It's just terrible. About 30 people, 28 or 30 people are being killed every day now in El Salvador. When we went to El Salvador a few months ago, we hired the great national football stadium. Glory be to God. My friend, you ought to come with us sometime. Get involved in something which is bigger than you are. That's why we do this. Because we're doing this, we want to be involved in something bigger than us. We want to be involved in God's work. I couldn't be bothered just playing that old-fashioned game of church. Do I go to church? Yeah, I'm preaching this coming weekend in church. But I want to do more than just go along to church. I want to be obedient to the words of Jesus when he said, 
go into all the world and preach the gospel. We've got a mandate from heaven. What's wrong with us? We better get on with it. So we hired the National Football Stadium. We had a crowd of people there, 52,000 people. We hired 750 buses. They came from right across El Salvador. We saw 5,000 people baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. If God calls you to El Salvador, you can go and you don't need to be afraid. But don't go just as a tourist because that could be pretty dangerous. But only go where God opens the doors. As a father and a grandfather, have you any advice for young parents? I guess uh, the first thing I'd say is, Beverly and I uh, think to ourselves and we say, we're glad we had our children when we did because it seems so harder today. When our children were just, you know, little kids, they didn't turn on television and see all this terrible immorality. We, they didn't see politicians condoning homosexual activity. They didn't see all the dreadful violence. Goodness. Turn on television today and it's, it's sex, viciousness, murder, killing, lying, cheating, and stealing. And so I want to say to the parents who are watching this program today, I know you love your children, but take some advice from a father and a grandfather who loves his family. You better pray a lot and teach your children to pray. Don't say that dumb statement that I hear some parents say. They say, well, we just leave it to our kids. We're not going to teach them anything. And when they grow up, they, they can make their own choice. They will. They'll make the wrong choice. Why are you doing that? They say, no, no, we're just going to leave it to them. When they grow up, they can do what they like. That's a terrible thing to do. That's an irresponsible thing to do. Teach your children, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Teach your little children that this is God's word and that the happiest people in the world are the people who follow God's word. The happiest, the healthiest, the people who live the longest. Did you know that? The people who live the longest. Take your children to church, Sunday school, Sabbath school. Remember the Catholics are right when they say the family that prays together stays together. Don't let your little children just run wild. Don't let them be sucked in by the false philosophy of this world. You got to stand up and fight for your kids. You run a self-supporting ministry that obviously God has blessed. How do you handle your finances? How do I handle the finances? Well, I don't handle them at all. <laughs> so when people come along to me and they say, Pastor Carter, I want you to take this money, uh, I say, look, I don't want you to give it to me at all. I want you to send it to us and our treasurer will take care of it. Uh, or else I can tell you how you can handle it. You know, you can mail it to us, you can 
give online and all of those things. We have an in-house full-time accountant and she makes sure that we are squeaky clean. And when we have had audits, we have been squeaky clean. And then we have an, an accountant out of house. And that accountant every month goes through our books, checks things out, makes sure that we're acting according to the law of God and the law of the land, that we're in harmony with the IRS in the United States of America. But look me in the eye, friend. Listen to this. When you send money to the Carter Report, it is not wasted. We don't have a bloated bureaucracy. We're a a lean, mean fighting machine. We don't have a lot of people on our team, but we have the best. And we take your money and we use it for the saving of souls. The most important thing you can do is to put your money into the work of God where it is used for the saving of the lost for Christ. Do you believe in the Trinity? Yes, I certainly do believe in the Trinity. I've discovered when I've uh, gone back to Australia, and fortunately it's not widespread, but as I travel around the world, I find people who tell me that they don't believe in the Trinity because it's a pagan concept. Well, I don't believe in the pagan Trinity. No, I don't. But I believe in the biblical Trinity. The Trinity can be shown from the scriptures. It is as plain as the nose on your face. Brother, sister, Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, you know the passage. Baptizing them in the name, didn't say names, the name, N-A-M-E, singular, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One name. Jesus linked three people together in a holy unity, which theologians call the Trinity. Now, people who don't believe in the Trinity, if, if they have the idea that the Trinity is not taught, they have Jesus talking about a unity between the Creator plus a creature, the Son, plus the Holy Spirit, who is a thing. That idea is false. The Bible teaches there is a Father, there is a Son, there is a Holy Spirit. If I had time today, I think I could convince you, even a person who doesn't believe in the Trinity, that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus takes the same title as God. Did you know in Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is called God and Lord? And when it says Lord in Hebrews chapter 1, it is quoting Psalm, Psalm 102, where it talks about Yahweh, big L-O-R-D, or as it is in the KJV, Jehovah. Jesus Christ in the Bible is called Yahweh, Jehovah. He is called God. He is called the self-existent one. He is the first and the last, the way, the truth, and the life. So I believe in the Trinity. I don't believe in the pagan Trinity, but I believe in the Trinity of my Bible. Yes, sir. 
How do you feel about those groups that insult the Prophet Muhammad in the name of freedom of speech? Are you a Charlie too? No, I'm not a Charlie. I'm a John. <laughs> no, you all know about this Charlie business. Uh, there was that uh, case of terrorism uh, where some terrorists came in and uh, they murdered a lot of people because they were deriding the prophet. Killing is evil. Killing is evil. Let me tell you folks something else. Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. No, I'm not Charlie. I hope I follow Christ. There are some people, it seems to me, who are really good at hate speech. They attack people. They attack Christians. They attack Jesus. They attack the Jews. They attack the Muslims. They make cartoons of Christ. They make cartoons of Muhammad. Why do they do this? In the name of freedom of speech, do they have the right to do this? Yes, they do. But listen, just because you have the right doesn't make it right. As a Christian, I am bound by the teachings of Christ. Jesus said, love your enemies. Amazing. Love those who persecute you. Wonderful. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. How can I deride the prophet Muhammad? How can I do this? How can I make cartoons and love the followers? No, my friend. I believe that as a Christian, I am called to a higher law. I don't believe that I'm called to political correctness. I don't believe that I'm called, thank God, to be a politician. I believe that I'm called by the grace of God to tell the truth and to love my neighbor. And that, my friend, as far as I'm concerned, uh, guides me and motivates me. And that's why I'm telling you this is plain talk. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter in Havana, Cuba. I'm standing here in Revolutionary Square. This great square is dedicated to the great communist revolution under Fidel that came to this country back 50, 60 years ago. This place is still undergoing a revolution. We've come to check out the reality of the situation. Freedom of speech is not allowed here still. Preaching the gospel out of doors is not allowed here still. Whatever you hear about reconciliation, nothing has really changed. We've been told we cannot run public campaigns in Cuba in any part of this world. We can run meetings in churches, that's allowed. So what are we going to do? We're going to support the people of God in this part of the world. We're going to step through those doors as God opens those doors. We're not going to come and cause a commotion and cause trouble to the people of God. We will work diligently and as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Stand with us in the preaching of the gospel, wherever it is, stand with us.
write to me, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at the address which is now appearing on the screen at Terrigal. And let us go forward for a mighty spiritual revolution as we take the gospel of Christ to the lost around the world as God opens the doors. This is John Carter in Revolutionary Square in Havana, Cuba, saying to you, God bless you and thank you for your support. Many believe that Jesus will return. What will happen when his return to this planet? Well, of course, today you have a, a great theory which is called the rapture, that people are going to be raptured home to glory and it's going to be a, a sort of a secret thing. Uh, one person is going to be here and the other person is going to go. I know that most churches in North America believe in the rapture theory. I don't believe it. Sorry to tell you that I don't want to offend you. I don't believe it because I don't believe it is true. I believe in the words of Scripture, and I don't believe that this idea of the rapture is true, though I know that there are heaps of wonderful people who believe in uh, the rapture. But what I'm saying is this, can't we agree to disagree without being disagreeable? Do I have to tell you everything that uh, you already believe? Or can I say to you, hey, hey, brother, can we have a look at this? Can't we disagree on these things? Don't you have the right to your viewpoint? Don't I have the right to my viewpoint? But I want to go beyond that. I want to show you what I believe the Bible teaches on this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, I'm going to start at verse 5. All this is evident, that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. There's a judgment day. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. My friend, that's not a secret thing. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Listen to me. When Jesus comes back, there are going to be two classes of people, two and only two, the righteous and the wicked, the believing and the unbelieving. The Bible says when he comes back, he is going to punish and destroy the wicked. And he's going to redeem his people. He's going to save his people. So this is going to happen simultaneously. The wicked are going to be punished. They're going to be destroyed. And the righteous are going to be delivered and they're going to be saved. So I believe 
that when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back to punish the wicked and he's going to come back to save his people. I want to say to you, and please listen, please listen. I want to say to you, don't wait until that day to get right with God. I know people say, well, I'm going to wait just until I'm just about ready to die and then I'm going to repent. Remember, my friend, the man who plans to re- repent uh, at the 11th hour usually dies at 10.45. So don't put it off. And the other person says, well, I'm going to wait until Jesus is coming. Then I'll repent. It's too late, my friend. The time to repent and to come to Christ is now. Why don't you use the original Bible, the King James Version? Um, I'm always glad, especially when I'm here in this wonderful country of America where I live, when people come up to me and express their admiration for the wonderful King James Version, because that is the Bible of my old mother church, the Church of England. It's certainly not an American translation. It is the famous translation of 1611. And it was sponsored by the King of England, King James. But it's not the original Bible. There were English translations before the King James Version. There was the Geneva Bible, the Bishop's Bible, and they were wonderful translations. And there is no translation that I love more than the venerable KJV. I still, I know so much of it off by heart. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. Isaiah 53. So I've memorized a lot of it. But listen, it's not the original Bible. Language changes. And we don't speak Elizabethan English. We don't say these and thous. So when you meet your wife in the morning, you don't say, uh, you don't call her thee or any of that stuff. As the Puritans did. And therefore the Bible needs to be refreshed. And I did this with the New King James Version. I have been using, since my days in the Sydney Opera House, I've been using the New International Version. It is an excellent translation. I commend it to you. I also um, uh, use other translations like the uh, New American Standard Bible. Uh, it's, It's an excellent translation. But look, I've got a few Bibles here. It's not so much the Bible that you use as how much you use it and whether you obey it or not. If you read the Bible in whatever translation, it will lead you to Christ if you have a sincere heart. What do you think of the Bible that many of us use called the clear word? Well, I know a bit about the clear word. Uh, It is not a translation of the Bible. It is written by an outstanding biblical scholar and a wonderful Christian man with a depth of vision and a passion for people. 
But many of the people who read the clear word don't read the introduction. And they do not use it as it was uh, composed. The author tells you as plain as anything, it is a paraphrase. And so it should not be used as a study Bible. Well, people say, I like it and it's easy and I, I don't have to think because everything's been put in here. Shame upon you. You should get a good translation and if you want to use the, the clear word, use it. As the author directed, as a paraphrase, it is not the word of God. Should women be allowed to pastor and preach? Should women be allowed to pastor and to preach? Well, that's a sort of hot potato, but uh, we're going to give some plain talk about that, give some plain answers. When I was in Russia not very long ago, uh, in China, I was amazed to meet with uh, most of the pastors from inland China. And I discovered that the people who hold the church together in China are lady preachers. Now, I think the way we practice ordination today may not be totally scriptural. The Bible talks about appointing people. And the Bible says he appointed 12 to be with him that he might send them forth to preach. A minister of God is appointed to be with Jesus and to go forth and preach the gospel. And if he's not doing that, he should not be appointed or ordained. Read the book by HMS Richards, Feed My Sheep. He says the same. Now, culture changes. The word of God doesn't change, but culture changes. Back in the days of the Bible, women weren't even allowed to speak outside the home. That's not so today. Women had a subservient position, but the gospel has released them. If a woman is called by God to preach and to save souls, you better get out of the way and let her do it. But let no man and no woman seek out for ordination simply for prestige. Some people do that today. They want to be ordained or appointed so they can be called pastor or elder or something else so that they have a little bit of prestige. My friend, the job doesn't come with prestige. It comes with a great burden. It comes with a great command. It comes with a great responsibility. That's the word. And that is to preach the word of God. Whether you're a man or a woman, you can do that if God has called you. And God would call more. But most of us don't want to hear his voice. And so I believe in women fulfilling their rightful position in the church of God. But I've got a message for you now. Before this program, Plain Talk, comes to an end, I'm asking you to believe in Jesus. I'm asking you to come to Jesus. I don't care where you are. I don't care who you are. Jesus died for you. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Believe today. And please write to me, would you? John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, please write to me at Terrigal. And you can contact us on our website. And don't forget evangelism.
send an offering for evangelism. Help us together to light a candle in the darkness. Until next time, God bless you, my friend. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.